If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts, and let's go to chapter 16. We want to pick up our teaching in verse 11 through 24. Since Acts chapter 10, very important here, at Cornelius' home in Caesarea, Peter witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit begin a work in the hearts of Gentiles. That is so important. Cornelius was a centurion officer in the Roman Empire in charge of over a hundred men of the Italian band. Not only did Cornelius come to saving grace, but also his family, his servants, and the military personnel that were with him. And then Peter witnessed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the whole group. They were never the same after that. In the last weeks, as we've been studying the life of Paul and Silas, we know that they were stopped by the Holy Spirit last week. And they were not allowed to continue in the area of Asia, the northern western country, the northwest country, but were given a vision from God as a man from Macedonia was calling them to come and to help us. Help us with the gospel's sake. Now, Paul and Silas meet up with Lydia. Now, pay attention, because that's where Cornelius comes in, another Gentile. And so God is pouring his spirit out to the Gentile nations. And he's using Paul and Cyrus, Silas. Now, in your maps, we ask you to uh, notice how Paul just travels everywhere. Now, if you look at the map and, and look kind of in the center there, you see Asia. And then right below it, you see Smyrna. This map was so clear, but it didn't have Thyatira. And so right in between there is the city of Thyatira. Now, Paul never went there. But Lydia is from Thyatira. She's a wealthy woman. Anytime you dealt with uh, the, the color purple, it was a very hard dye to get a hold of. And when you made the, the clothing that had to do with purple, and it speaks about royalty and such, so uh, the rich and the famous would have the purple. And yet, not only did God touch Cornelius' his heart and then his family, but now Lydia. And so there's no respecter of persons. So many times we think, well, God's only going to work on this group, but he's not going to work on that group. He's going to you know, only work on this side of the tracks and not on the other side of the tracks. Well, that's our thinking. But the Holy Spirit works in and through uh, each and every individual life. We're all called, but we have to respond. And so we see the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ going further and further and further. Now, from the point of Jerusalem uh, up to Macedonia, we're, we're talking easily uh, 1,300, 1,400 miles. And so the gospel has gone quite a bit. All of this is done on foot or by ship or if they had animals to ride. And so let's get into this portion, verses 11 through 15, the salvation of this woman named Lydia, the seller of purple. And, and not only salvation, then she comes to water baptism. I love that. In verse 11, therefore sailing uh, from Troas, we ran straight course to Sumatrace, and, next, and the next day came to Neapolis. Now, on your maps, you can see the diagrams. You can see the places. They sailed from Troas. So, uh, a lot of history here. 
Samothrace was an island off the Aegean Sea, touching an area called Trace. Hence, it was called Samothracia, uh, or the Trace and Solomon Islands, about 20 miles in circumference. Nothing spectacular about it. Today, it's called Samad Arachi by the Turks in modern-day Turkey. But listen to Neapolis. Neapolis was a seaport in Macedonia, about 10 miles eastward off uh, of Philippi. Neapolis, uh, for Paul, signifies a new work. He's able to get in a ship now. He's able to get in a boat, and he's going to do quite a bit of traveling. And that's the gospel. And, and we're going to see Lydia come to saving grace, and, and then the attacks of the enemy. And anytime you're doing something for God, be prepared that attacks of the enemy are going to come. The trials, the tribulation, the hardship, and the pain. Uh, I've had people, Pastor Bob, the more I pray, uh, the more I read, the more I study, the more I come to church, uh, the more I witness, the trials come. The trials come. You see, the enemy doesn't like you. The enemy wants to trip you up. The enemy wants to undermine you. And he's going to use this servant girl to come after Paul and Silas. But let's finish off with Lydia. In verse 12, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city uh, of that part of Macedonia, a colony, a Roman colony, and, and we're staying in that city for some days. We don't know how long he stayed there. Macedonia, listen to this, was divided into four parts or four districts. Philippi was the chief city of the four districts. Now, Philippi was also a Roman colony. These colonies were cities made up of mostly Roman citizenship and located strategic points uh, throughout the empire, which enjoyed special privileges. I like this. I was reading up on it. Uh, such as self-government, even though they were part of Rome, freedom from imperial taxation from Rome, I mean, that had to make you pretty happy. And the same rights as citizens in Italy. Such a city was called uh, Little Rome, far from the mo motherland of Rome itself. It was self-contained. And so here's Lydia selling her wares, and she hears the gospel. I believe her heart was already open. Many times when you're sharing with somebody, somebody else has shared with them. And many times when they come to saving grace, it's, it's not you leading them, but it's the Holy Spirit that brought them to that place. It took three plus years for me to listen to the gospel and finally to respond to it. But look at verse 13 now. And on the Sabbath day, we, remember we included Luke. So here's Paul and Silas and Luke. But Paul and Silas were doing all the ministry, all the ministering. Luke was there for Paul. And he's going to be beaten, and you're going to see this in, in just a bit. And so we went out of the city uh, to the riverside, very important here, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met us there. Obviously, there was no Jewish colony or, or Jewish synagogue in Philippi. There has to be, uh, according to a tradition, at least 10 men were sufficient to constitute a synagogue. Obviously, there was not. There was some type of meeting place because a group of Jewish women and a number of God-fearing people outside of the city, right by the riverside. 
Jewish culture says that where prayer was made, such as a riverbank or another meeting place, the word for a, a place of prayer is used in Jewish writing synonymous uh, to the synagogue. And notice that Paul says, we sat down. I think we need to reverse that, guys. You need to stand. Let me sit. That's what they did. But the enjoyment of, I like you guys are there, and I'm able to minister to you. And yet, but the Jewish culture was different. The riverbank. Paul knew the traditions. If there was not a synagogue, they were meeting somewhere. And the area, somebody must have told him, or he just took it for granted, let's go to the river. Let's see what's happening. Oh, that's where the women were, and that's where the gentlemen were. These are Gentiles. I like that. Uh, notice in verse 14, and I believe Lydia's heart was prepared. She loved the Lord. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Uh, she was a seller of purple, purple, that is, from the city of Thyatira. And here's her testimony. She worshiped God. And the Lord opened up her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. You know, you can have this love for God, and that's good. It, it's in us. It's just got to be drawn out. We have this love. Uh, you see, we're born with Adamic sin, and, and we need to get that sin out. We need to come to that place of saving grace. But as God begins to, uh, to chip away that old man and that old woman nature, and the Holy Spirit is after you. You're going to respond like Lydia here. Maybe somebody was sharing with her in Thyatira where she lived. And maybe when she would come uh, to Philippi, she met certain people that witnessed to her. Anyway, we find her at the riverbank, inquisitive or praying, wanting to know, did she hear about the Messiah? News travels fast here. But look at verse 14 again. On your map, above Smyrna, between Asia, the sign there, that's where Thyatira was. But Lydia traveled to Philippi to sell her wares of purple. And when you sold clothing of purple, as I mentioned earlier, it was generally for the rich and famous. Notice she listened intently to Paul, and she was open to the gospel. I love that. So I wanted to share this again. When the Holy Spirit is after you, uh, when your mom is praying for you, when your grandmother is praying for you, you might as well give up. Because the Holy Spirit, and I want to give you a phrase, and it's a challenge. I want you to Google this. The Holy Spirit has been called the hound from heaven. He doesn't give up. Now, there was an English poet by the name of Francis Thomas back in 1893. And he wrote this poem. It's 182 lines. The Hound from Heaven. And I'll tell you what. I have heard testimonies. I have given testimonies. Uh, you know, I can just recall. I was looking at this. The Hound from Heaven. I, my mom was praying. Moms, don't give up on your children. My cousins were praying. They had a small little Bible study. I didn't even know they were praying for me. And, and, you know, you're so ignorant. You think everything's cool and you're running around in sin. But people are praying for you. 
And then somebody starts witnessing to you. And then conviction comes. You can't sleep. You can't eat. Uh, you know, you go to drink a beer and you're getting convicted. You, you want to sell some more drugs and you're getting convicted. It took three and a half years. How long had they been praying for Lydia? But look at the phrase, her heart was open. Her heart was open. You know what's interesting? After people come to Saving Grace, and, and I fit the category, Lord, why'd you wait so long? And you hear that small, still voice, wasn't my fault. I've been ministering to you for three and a half years. The hound from heaven has been all over you, and you struggle. In the story of Nikki Cruz, when David Wilkerson was, was praying for him, I, I, I love that movie and I love the book, and, and Eric Estrada plays Nikki Cruz, and he's in his bedroom, a little makeshift room because he was very poor in New York City, and as David had been witnessing and sharing with him, he wants to kill David, and at night he's just squirming inside. He's just tossing and turning miserable because the hound from heaven was all over him. That's Lydia. Look at verse 15. And when she and her household were baptized. Now, in order to get baptized, she had to come to saving grace. In order for the household to get baptized, they had to come to saving grace. This is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 10 uh, with Cornelius' house. I love this here. She begged us then after, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful uh, to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Lydia might be her proper name, but I want you to pay attention. Or it meant uh, the Lydian on the designating region in which Thyatira was situated. I, I just kind of threw that in there. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, this area was famous for the manufacture and the use of purple dye, and Lydia had brought her business, her wares, to sell at Philippi. Uh, this woman was a Gentile, great businesswoman, who had accepted the highest elements in, in Judaism. The Bible teaches that God and his word are no respecter of persons. Yes, salvation is offered first uh, to the Jews. The Bible says to the Jews, salvation has been offered, but the Gentiles had as much access to saving grace as anybody else. I love when I heard Pastor Chuck teach years ago, there is no prejudice in God. Again, we might say this group is, uh, is destined to salvation, but this group is not. We separate it. We say these are the, uh, the lambs and these are the goats. That's not what God says. God loves people. He created us in his image, and he wants to save us. He wants to save us. And, and so this morning, if you're here and you still haven't made a commitment to Christ, the hound from heaven is after you. You need to respond. You need to respond. And moms, dads, you're praying for your son, your daughter. Uh, husband, you're praying for the wife. Wife, you're praying for the husband. And they haven't responded. Keep praying. I think sometimes we give up. Sometimes we give up. You see, I believe in the universal call. I don't believe that God chooses one group or chooses another group. 
The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But we understand and we know not everybody responds. Lydia comes to saving grace. No doubt in my mind, she went back uh, to Thyatira and then spread the gospel even further. That's the effects, church. That's the effects. How can you hoard it? How can you keep it in? Tell somebody about Jesus. When I got saved, I went back to the workplace, the guys that I was selling drugs to. I went back to my workplace, the guys that I was drinking with, and I told them, hey, it's all about Jesus. They said, Bob's gone nuts. He's crazy. I even took my Bible to Big John to the bar we used to go to. And he didn't mind until people started complaining. You see, I didn't carry a little Bible in those days. I had a, you know, one of those 85-pounders. <laughs> we continue in verses 16 through 24. Paul and Silas in prison for the gospel's sake. I, I get frustrated, but yet I understand. I get concerned, but yet I understand. You're doing things for God. And the enemy comes. But God allows these things. They're going to be in prison for the gospel's sake. Uh, Pastor Saeed, almost four years in prison for the gospel's sake. There are still people incarcerated in the Middle East for the gospel's sake. It happens every day, and people are dying for the gospel's sake. And so let's get into this portion here. In verse 16, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us there who brought her masters much profit for fortune-telling. And so we understand this girl. She's obviously the work of the devil. Because she's going to say some good things. And a lot of people say, well, what's the problem with what she's saying? She's speaking the words of God. But Paul saw through it. There is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when you speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14. Chapter 13 is how they operate the gifts of the Holy Spirit with agape love. But one of those gifts is having discernment of spirit my wife has that gift because i just love everybody and anybody and trust everybody and anybody and my wife will say be careful with that person there's something about that person and i tell you she's generally right and so what happens to me is i don't give up on them i keep praying for them and i keep reaching out to them but discernment of spirit paul has that here in verse 16 the Greek, as we were going through the place of prayer, as back in verse 13, whether this was on the same day in which the conversation of Lydia took place or at another time, it's not mentioned in the text. But notice the servant girl was possessed by a spirit of divination. Listen to the Greek. Uh, claiming to foretell future events and to discover the hidden knowledge. The devil does that. When you go back to Genesis and chapter 3, the fall of man, Satan came to Eve with a half-truth and a half-lie. He knows the scriptures. The devils know the scriptures better than we do. 
Remember, they were fallen angels. And so here's this girl. Now, listen to the text. She was, she was brought, she brought her owners much gain, the word profit, for fortune telling. Always remember, when you're walking with the Lord, prayed up, reading, studying God's word, filled with the spirit, doing the work of God, trust me, the enemy will come lurking, seeking. The devil has many tricks. He never plays fair. He's there to deceive. The Bible says he's a liar, and he's the father of lies. Listen to this particular verse. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus is sharing with the disciples. Now, the religious sect, Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, they came boasting to Jesus, we are Abraham's seed. Listen to what Jesus says to them. In John 8, 44, uh, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father uh, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because these, there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. Radical. These were the religious sect. Jesus was letting them have it. And Paul's going to let this servant girl know, you're not from the Lord. Understand that just because they, they look like they're Christian, they have a Bible, just because they say the uh, Christianese words doesn't make them a believer. Their hearts have to be sold out to God. Look at verse 17. Uh, this girl followed Paul and us, again, uh, Silas and Luke most likely, and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. What's the problem there? Luke is writing, the demons possessed girl, we know that, followed Paul and Silas and Luke, and she's crying out. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. Again, what's wrong with this? She was saying the right words, but at the end, she has totally evil intentions. When Eve heard the serpent speak, he was saying the right words. You're not going to die. Your eyes will be open. Be careful when the enemy starts to speak to you. Do not dialogue with the enemy. If you look at Eve, she stayed there and she had this conversation. Now, ladies, remember, the serpent is not slithering yet. The serpent was a created being. The serpent was upright. The serpent was beautiful, creation of God. And so she was tempted. And of all the trees of the garden you have access to, this one tree, isn't that just like the human nature? Listen, I just baked all these cookies, but don't you get them until everybody comes and we'll all get together. Oh, you might as well say the wrong word. Because they're eyeballing the, that plate of cookies. And before you know it, so, somebody takes a bite. Puts it underneath the pile like nobody's going to see it. Uh -huh. I know some of you have done it. 
Notice now how Paul is going to understand it. In verse 18, and this she did for many days. I think that was the key that Paul received. But Paul, greatly annoyed by her, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Uh, Listen, he's not attacking the girl. But he speaks to the spirit. You foul spirit, come out. Bible says the it came out that same hour. Here was the key. She did this for many days or on many successive occasions uh, when there was uh, the way uh, their usual place of meeting, that is, or when engaged in religious services. It grieved Paul's spirit. People in the city knew her. It had to grieve them to see such power possessed by this enemy of man's salvation. She was there. She was real. They accepted her. They didn't understand her. Paul saw it. It grieved Paul to observe this trick as she used, I believe, to win the people over. And Paul approved it. I mean, she testified as she herself was a born believer in Jesus Christ, but was not. Paul's filled with the gift of discernment, called the false spirit out. One of the things they were finding out in Southern California at the crusades, uh, harvest crusades by Greg Laurie, you have the consulars, you have pastors, and everybody uh, wears a name tag. And when you go to a consular, when you go to a pastor, make sure they have the proper name tag. They had cults that were infiltrating and and cults that were uh, taking a group because sometimes thousands would get saved. And so you take a small group and you're a cult. You take another small group and you're a cult. And then you begin to share with them and you encourage them. Oh, Jesus, you know, you received Christ. And then they give you an address for a Bible study. That's what they were doing. And they were sucking you in. And so Paul saw by the discernment of the Holy Spirit, and God gives you that gift if you're truly seeking the Lord. Look at verse 19 now. But when his, her masters now, see, those that brought the prophet or accepted the prophecy, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. The owners of the girl, they saw their uh, finances dwindle. You see, it was a business. It's not about God. They seized Paul and Silas. Notice that they dragged them into the marketplace, uh, some type of forum, some type of meeting place in town, maybe the steps of, of, of City Hall, and they let her stand by, by them there at the courtyard. She's not right. This was wrong. Paul sensed it. Uh, When you're in tune with God, the Holy Spirit comes over you. Somebody comes up with air. Your spiritual antenna should go up. Say, something's wrong here. And don't be afraid to address it. Don't be afraid to uh, speak to them. Ask them questions. Every time Jehovah's Witnesses through the years would come to our house, I'd open the door and share with them, but eventually they stopped coming. 
I noticed they would go up the street because you could hear the dogs barking and such. And, and so you look out. They don't stop no more. I heard that they check you up. Don't stop there. Keep going. Oh, they don't like Pastor Jay at his house. They avoid that whole area because he just gets a hold of them. And, and so the enemy doesn't want to hear the truth. The enemy does not want to hear the truth. And, and so what's the reward for Paul and Silas? Imprisonment. Watch this. And they brought them to the magistrates, verse 20. And they said, these men, Paul and, and Silas, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. The colonies had praetors, the magistrates, the praetors. They were leaders in the army of Rome who could rule on matters such as this. And the accusation, these, these Jews, listen to the Greek, greatly and wholly disturb our city. Greatly and wholly disturb our city. I was kind of thinking about that phrase because I want you to write this down. Back in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17, uh, there was a king by the name of Ahab. And guess who he was married to? Uh, Jezebel. You know, all these years I've never met anybody that has a daughter named Jezebel. Most people, oh no, I'm not going to name her Jezebel. No way. She was evil. And he was evil. He was probably the worst king that Israel ever had. Go back and study that. Anyway, Elijah is the prophet of God at this time. And Elijah, he would come, and I've shared this many times, the prophet either came to bless you or the prophet came to curse you. And if he came to curse you, it was because you were in some type of sin. And usually idol worship. And eventually when Ahab met up with Elijah, listen to this, King Ahab in, in verse 17, 1 Kings 18, he said to Elijah, prophet of God, is that you? And he calls him, O troubler of Israel. O troubler of Israel. And they're saying this about Paul and Silas. You greatly and wholly disturb our city. The troubler of Israel was not Elijah. The troubler of Israel was Ahab. The troubler in this city that Paul is at is this little girl being used, hired by these masters. You see, Satan is clever. You think that everybody that's on Christian television is right with God? Do you think that everybody that's on Christian radio right with God? And, and trust me, there's some good teachings out there. And there's some good pastors out there. But there's also those that are in it for filthy lucre. They're in it for the buck. They're in it for the money. Why did Jesus say you cannot serve God and mammon? Mammon is financial gain. Look at verse 21. And these accusations continue. And they teach customs, speaking of Paul and Silas, which are not lawful for us. Being Romans, we're Romans. We're not here to receive or to observe. Here's the accusation against Paul and Silas. They teach religious rites. They're teaching uh, religious customs. They're teaching religious traditions that are unlawful for us. Listen to this. What was Paul and, and, and Silas teaching? But salvation through Christ. How could that be unlawful? 
But these men were probably part of the whole regime of this girl. The Romans were very jealous, listen to this, of their national worship. Their allegiance, their worship was always to Caesar. But they worshiped various Greek gods. We know back in, in Acts uh, chapter 14 at the city of Lystra, another colony of Rome. Remember when Paul was there and Barnabas, they called them Zeus and Hermes. And so what were they thinking of Paul and Barnabas? It wasn't even about the preaching. They've taken our finances. When we get to Ephesus, the silversmiths were angry because uh, uh, the goddess Diana. And they were taking away their business. They were selling the ambulance, the statues and such. And so here's this girl, the fortune telling, and go over here on, on Solano and that lady's still there. In fact, her building's gotten more beautiful. Somebody's giving her money to go read my palm. Listen, if you want to know the future, read the book of Revelation. Don't be going to a palm reader or, you know, here's my tea leaves, read them. <laughs> and Christians do this. Well, before I leave work, let me see what my sign says today. Whoa. Or you go eat Chinese food. Oh, let's see what the cookie has to say. <laughs> let's see what the word of God has to say. These guys were vicious. And notice the outcome in verse 22. Then the, the multitude now, they gathered everybody up, uh, rose up together against them. And the magistrates again uh, tore off their clothes, speaking of Paul and Silas, and commanded them to be beaten with rods. These praetors... These army leaders coaxed or moved by the crowd. Now they have to respond. They tore off Paul and Silas's clothing. And then they beat them with rods. No trial, but just beat them. They could do it. By law, they could do it. Now it's interesting, for the gospel's sake. Back in Acts chapter 9 again, the Lord tells Ananias, he is a servant of mine, speaking of Paul. And he's going to speak before kings and magistrates and rulers, but he's going to suffer greatly. And Paul did. This is just part of the suffering. Paul went through the fire. Now, I want you to write this down. Eventually, we'll study it. I'll give you some homework. You need to study 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But verses 24 and 25, Paul's given his testimony. And he says, five times I was whipped lashes and usually they gave you 40 and they saved one it was called grace then he says three times he was beaten with rods these are sticks what kind of sticks it doesn't matter i'm sure it wasn't balsa wood they had some hickory they had some oak something strong and they beat paul and silas for the gospel's sake in church, that happens more than we can imagine. The Romans did not have a law. These guys made their own rules and regulations. And that was, you know, somebody caused a disruption. Let's take them uh, to the city hall steps and let's try them right now or let's beat them. Imagine what's going on with Paul. Now, there's a jailer involved. 
And we're going to study that next week. That jailer is going to come to saving grace. Because Paul and Silas are led out of the prison, the dungeon, but yet they don't leave. They want to be a witness. They want to be a testimony. The jailer was called to keep them there. In verse 23, and when they lay, had laid many stripes on them, and they threw them into the prison, commanded the jailer uh, to keep them securely. Jewish law offered the 40 stripes, save one, as I mentioned. Here the Romans did many stripes, many stripes. Again, in verse 22, the rods, uh, basically no law in Rome. Unrestricted act, they could choose to give as much pain uh, to the culprits as desired. And then they would cast them into uh, the prison. And they would place them there. We understand the inner prison is probably a dungeon area. And they're beaten. Nobody's addressing their, uh, their stripes in the back. Nobody's cleaning them. The blood has to coagulate. And then they're put into stocks. This is for the gospel's sake. Look at verse 24. And having received uh, such a charge, he put them into the inner prison. He fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, there's been a lot of excavations. I'm told when you go uh, to Rome, friends of mine have gone. They've seen the places they believe where prisoners were kept. Is this where Paul was kept? We don't know. But it's very significant. Listen here. Now what it says. It was very damp. They know this. This inner uh, prison. It was very damp, very cold, rat infested, insect infested. It was considered more of a dungeon from which light was excluded. And where the chains, listen to this, rusted uh, on the prisoners. Excavations have proved this. Such places may be seen uh, this day on the slopes of the capital at Rome. Now, what's interesting, in the excavations, they have found these stocks. And we've seen them in, in the movies, you know. And you can put your hands in there and, or you can put your feet. But they've seen the style. Usually, they would hang them up and then place the feet in the stocks. And a lot of times, some of these stocks were pretty well spread. And so imagine one foot in one hole, one foot in the other, and they've got you in an eagle spread, they say. The pain, excruciating pain. And then if their arms are locked, their backs then opened up. Paul received, how many, how many, the stripes that they would get, according to Jewish law, would be 40 minus 139. It's called mercy. But the Romans were different. They could beat you. Paul never died. It wasn't his time. Pastor Saeed did not die. It was not his time. Everybody has a time. In Hebrews 9.27, there's an appointed time for each one of us to die. I pray and I hope the rapture of the church. But some of us, like myself, getting older, how much time do we have left? Uh, it doesn't matter to me whatever time we have left. Use it for the glory of God. Use it for the glory of God. I, I love the teaching of the outreach to the Gentiles. 
not only at Cornelius' house, but they've been going to Gentiles quite a bit now. And now, 13, 1400 miles from Jerusalem, here's Lydia. God opens up her heart. And here comes the enemy. They try every which way. We're going to see Paul and Silas. And I want you to prepare yourself for next week's teaching. Are they murmuring and complaining? Thanks, Lord. Look what you, what we've done for you, and this is your gratitude? No, no, no. And I tell you, it checks my heart. They were worshiping the Lord. They were singing praises unto God. It touched the jailer. The jailer and his household come to the Lord. When you go through your trials, may I encourage you, and I'll, I'll definitely touch on it next week. When you go through your trials, I don't like them. You don't like them. I don't wish them upon you. I don't wish them upon me. In fact, I'm always kidding. Lord, Pastor Jay's over there. Give it to him. <laughs> but God uses it in my life. God uses it in your life. Uh, he has to remove dross in my life. And in order to remove dross, I have to go through the fire. God has to chip away the old man. He has to chip away the old woman. And it hurts. It hurts to, uh, to be chastened by the Lord sometimes. I mean, it hurts. But if he didn't love us, we wouldn't be chastened. Those of you with still have your children at home, I hope you... Discipline them. For whom the Lord loves, he will chasten. Discipline them. Don't let them do. As long as they're in your house, my kids, oh, I want to do this. I want, when you're 18 and you're out of here, you can get tattoos all over your body. I don't care. But while you're here, you're under my house. And you're coming to church Sunday morning. I don't want to go to church. I'm 17. You're going to church. Or you can go to the park and live. I'm serious. They're not old enough to make decisions. Well, I'm going to wait till they're 21. It's not going to work. You are to train up a child in the ways of the Lord. God gives us that privilege, that power, that insight. And I thank God our kids are walking with Christ. But I know a lot of pastor friends, not everybody is walking let us learn from uh, Paul and Silas. They had such a witness, such a testimony, and they didn't give up on God. Okay, Lord. <laughs> In one of the movies that Paul does, they're going to the city, and I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, I believe it's not scriptural, but as they're going to go to the next city, uh, I remember Barnabas, in the movie, Barnabas goes, let us pray that the rocks are softer in the next city. How do you find a softer rock? Trust me. But I love that. It made me laugh. Just like it's making you. So here's a soft one. Yeah. I mean, they let you have it. And these rods, you think they just. No, they let them have it. Because if you did not beat them, if you did not bring forth the lashes, then you could receive the lashes for them. And many times it was to extract the confession from them. Paul and Silas were guilty of nothing. Paul and Silas brought forth 
of the word of God. And so as you serve the Lord and as you testify of his love, his salvation message, the enemy is going to come. You probably won't be incarcerated. You probably won't be beaten. But the enemy is going to come. I never forgot the day that I walked in uh, to go to the bathroom on one of my breaks. And, and there's the urinal. And it says, Preacher Bob. I, go, I wasn't even considering the ministry. I go, you wrote in the urinal? And then you put the pin back in your pocket? This is the evilness of man. And yet we would get other notes without signature. Bob, pray for my mom. She's sick. Bob, pray for my dad. He's sick. They know that you have a line with God. And we would. We would. Serve the Lord. Let's stand. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you praise, honor, and glory, and worship. And we thank you so much for your word that will not come back void. Lord, <laughs> Elijah was not the troubler of Israel. Paul and Silas were not the troublers uh, of that city in Philippi. But the enemy comes and, and he tries to undermine anything that is biblical, anything that is scriptural, anything that is godly, even using godly words. And so, Father, help us to have the gift of discernment. And, Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here that still has not made a commitment to Christ, uh, today is the day of your salvation. If anybody's in a backslidden condition, if anybody's a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, daughter that is, uh, today is the day to come back uh, to the sheepfold. Jesus left uh, the 99 sheep and he went after the one. And so, Father, we pray for the body of Christ. We pray for the offerings this morning. As you've given to us, Lord, uh, we give back a portion. And we ask your blessings. In Jesus' name, we pray.